The Ram Dhamma's Kingdom by Robert P. Fitton. Chapter 21 Drawn into the Distortion. He helped Annie to her feet and they started pounding on the door. Barrett ran up front, but Kellogg lingered, a dazed and bewildered expression on his face. The whole VIP area was covered, was covered with thick, choking smoke. There was no sign of life. Both men ran toward the front, flames visible through the smoke. Like a sputtering car, the SRT moved erratically through space. They had made it to the spiral staircase, the metal sizzling hot. Mesmer, his head bleeding, was spraying down the cabin as fast as he could. To his left, Commander Patterson had been blown out of his seat and his body splattered against the wall. Williams had been killed by the scattering debris and lay motionless in his chair. It wasn't supposed to do this, said Kellogg from the bottom of the stairs. My God, shouted Barrett as he started coughing. I've got it under control, Mesmer yelled as he put out one of the last flames. The air system is on. Reduce oxygen. The fire is out. Bring back the proper levels, said the general as he moved into action. He went right over past some of the destroyed consoles and flipped the switches. What the hell happened? asked Barrett as he looked up at the smoldering mess. I had just put in a course adjustment, very minor. I went up to get some coffee. Patterson put in the final final coordinates and I was in the I was in the pilot's galley and the whole cabin just exploded in one big fireball. Those people up top, said Barrett. Moved upward. The doors were open, said Mesmer. I left them open. I have to get up there. What the hell's the ship's status, Colonel? shouted Kellogg from the front. I haven't checked anything, said Mesmer. People are dead up there, General. That's a fact, mister. Another fact is getting the ship under control, he said as they lurched forward. I'm going upstairs, said Barrett as he climbed the stairs. Oh, Colonel, he said from the top. If you can get a shipwide audio and tell them we're going through a rough area, that's all. Put that on audio. I understand, said Mesmer as he looked toward Patterson and closed his eyes. The smoke had cleared out of the VIP section. The scene was not good. Rothstein and Sabad were sitting in the rear, oxygen masks to their faces. The whole front area had been singed by fire and numerous bodies were lying around the room, pierced with flying debris. Is it safe now? yelled Rothstein, removing his mask. Yes, yes, it's safe, Senator, replied Barrett as he climbed over the bodies. He rushed by them and closed the heavy metal hatchway. What happened, Mr. Barrett? asked Savard as he stood. Looks like sabotage, Doctor. They, they're just lucky that most everyone had gone to the rear section. I have an aide that's dead, shouted Rothstein. Three reporters I've known for years, he said, almost crying as he looked down at the bodies. I, I, the thing was going too smoothly. I knew it. I wanted so much to talk up the whole, the whole space effort. And now you say the ship has been sabotaged. Let's just try and keep our heads... Now, if I can be of any assistance, Mr. Barrett. Yes, I'm sure you can, Doctor, answered Barrett as they turned to the right. Congressman Folsom, a deep gash in his cheek, staggered up the deck stairs. Ah, David, oh my God, shouted Rothstein as he ran over and helped his colleague to the chairs. At that moment, Kellogg appeared at the top of the stairs. He motioned for Barrett to come forward. Barrett, watching Rothstein and Folsom, moved toward the general. I'd like to know what happened here, Matt. The hell with that. We have to get rid of these bodies. Oh, come on. They've been dead ten minutes, and you... I've already opened up the tubes on the cabin floor. It's all clear below. Let's start moving them out. 
We have to get this ship under control, and why isn't Mesma gone on the intercom? He's working on both ends of it right now. Get yourself together, Barrett. We've got things to do. McGee sat on the counter in the VIP gallery. There was only one exit via the connecting tunnel, and that was electronically sealed. He really screwed us, he said for about the tenth time. All right, McGee, quit blaming yourself. We both fell for it, she said. I should have figured this out a long time ago. They had us booked on board and set up the whole thing. We walked right into it. We have to get ourselves cleared. Oh, I'd forget about that, sunshine, he said, jumping down from the counter. He moved over to the electronic lock and started fidgeting. I just wonder about staying alive. Getting the jump on Kellogg and Barrett is the key. You can see he doesn't trust Kellogg. Pulled a meat cleaver out of the drawer. First thing I'm doing is getting out of here, he said, as he went back to the door. Right, if the ship survives. Stoddard was back up in the communications room, preparing to use the Code 7 phone. Through the window, he saw Winder rocket up out of his chair. He was jumping up and down, incredulously pointing at the console. The director opened the door and ran to the control room. Frank, what's the matter? He yelled. You look like you've sat on a firecracker. That would be preferable. Look at this, he said. Stoddard looked at the tracking console. The SRT was diverting from its prescribed course. Add to that, all channels were out. Oh my God, said Stoddard. The whole scenario was passing through his mind. Something had happened. Perhaps people had been hurt or dead. Maybe they were all dead. As he turned, Winder shouted and returned to the Code 7 phone. Where the hell are you going, Walter? asked Winder as everyone in the control room was getting improper readings. The navigation module, one of the technicians called up to Winder. He pushed the buttons on his master readout and confirmed the fact. Try the low band, he ordered and watch started disappear behind the map. 457, this is Kennedy Base. 457, this is Kennedy Base. What's going on? asked the confused Winder. Channels are out, Frank, said the communicator. Keep trying, keep trying, Bill. Then in a burst of emotion, he ran down the front himself, grabbing the console microphone from the communicator. SRT 457, this is Kennedy Base. This is Kennedy Base. He said loudly, Do you read? Do you read? Barrett stood with Mesmer near the burnt-out controls up front. The colonel was attempting to establish temporary communications with the base. Video was definitely out and he was able to get a very faint audio signal. 457, this is Kennedy Base. Frank, yelled Barrett. Amplifying signal, said Winder. His voice sounded much clearer. How's that? We hear you, Kennedy. We hear you, Kennedy, said Barrett. Pete, our readings show a variation in all systems. We've lost all navigational ability, said Barrett. Winder looked to his aides and then up front it started hurried back. You're gaining speed. Can you compensate? Possibly. It'll take time. We have to substitute other fluids, Frank. Frank, said Barrett. No one on this ship and the rear sections knows what happened. What did happen? Demanded started. An explosion, Walter. Saboteurs. Give Kellogg the warning. You say passengers know nothing? No, Colonel Mesma told them we were moving through a rough area, said Barrett. I knew we'd be too late, said Stoddard, pinching the bridge of his nose. Never mind the condolences, Walter. We have to make the right decisions now. Do we send a rescue craft up here, or do we try and get back on course, or over to the factory complex? 
I'm sending all available ships, said Winder. No, absolutely not. Walter, this ship is in trouble. The press will ruin us. Argued started. If they can bring this ship over to the complex, we can still get out of this on top. I'm all for the agency's image, Walter, but I know what it means to the future. I really do. If they don't straighten this thing out, we could be risking our lives and the lives of everyone on board. No, Tom, do you hear me? I want you to attempt repairs. Yes, Walter, I've already done that. I've already begun that. I know at least I can get the maneuverability, but it will take time, but it can be done. Then do it! Ordered the director as Winder's face flushed with anger. Now where the hell is Kellogg? I want a casualty list. He's over across thinking, said Barrett. He looked to the rear section of the cabin. Kellogg sat alone in the corner, staring at the floor. To hell with Kellogg. Let's just get this thing fixed. He's alive, isn't he? He's fine. We're leaving all channels open, Walter. Everyone is on standby, Peter. We're all with you. Let's pull this thing together. He said as he turned from the console. Winder was standing with his back to him. Frank, I'm not going to tolerate any more dissension. Walter, he said as he moved around. You can send at least 20 rescue crafts up there. How are you going to explain the casualties? Looks pretty clear-cut and dry to me. You're playing with other people's lives. More lives will be lost if we don't, if we don't take control of space, Frank. That's what I'm thinking of, the big picture, and that's the way it will be done whether you like it or not. I've got a good mind to walk out of here right now. If it weren't for the people up there, he said, looking down at the screen, do you realize they'll reach top speed in ten minutes at this rate? Combine that with the fact they're already eight hours out, all you may succeed in doing, Walter, is blasting them into deep space. That's enough. We're doing it my way. We've reached maximum speed, said Mesmer as he studied one of the working readouts. Then he moved back under the console. This is a real mess, Pete. Can you actually fix it, Don? I'm wondering if this is really a wise course. No, Pete, I can fix it. It's a matter of putting it in, but it'll take time. What do you need? asked Barrett. Just give me the materials as I asked for them. The central impulse chip, the white cylinder, and the plastic bag. Go to it, Colonel, he said, giving him the bag. I can only hope you're right. Well, Doctor, said Rothstein, trying to keep his sense of sanity. I dare say I didn't expect this little sojourn. Please don't take this calamity as a reflection on the agency, Senator. It's out of our hands. On the contrary, Doctor, these people in the galley are indeed foreign agents. It only goes to show how much we need a space presence. It means that people and governments do not want us up here. Why, they could be holding us all hostage right now. If General Kellogg hadn't uncovered this, we never would have known they were spies. It would look as if... As if the agency blew it. Sits in my blunt. Exactly, he replied as he thought. I deeply regret the loss of life. That young girl who died, my staff just hired her last month, he said, but Savard had wandered to the observation deck. Doctor, he called. Oh, I'm sorry, Senator. I'm just trying to quell my nerves. Yeah, yeah, once a stargazer, always a stargazer. Yes, of course. Would you mind if I just stay down here? I need a few minutes alone. Of course, sir. I understand. We'll talk later. I have to check on the congressman. Savard waited until Rothstein had left. Then he moved quickly toward the window. He turned off the bottom lights and looked out at the stars. His face was very pensive for a few seconds. Then it went blank. 
The doctor raised his hands to his temples and let them slowly drag down the side of his face. He clasped them all together, pressing his knuckles against the glass. A new awareness had come over him. Very far away and very faint was a thin green line twisting and winding like the branches of a river through the stars. Only a trained eye could understand the true meaning of that distant light. Savard unlocked his hands and pushed them against the window. To this great man of science, a man of values and calculations, the dramatic change had left him at a loss for any answers. McGee was still trying to open the galley door. After hours of effort, he managed to twist the covering off the control box. The rest was easy. With his knowledge, he had the door open in minutes. He took Annie's hand and they stepped into the tunnel. We have to go right up to Barrett, he said. I can't believe how that damn Kellogg set us up. Well, we'll straighten it out, she said confidently. God help you, Annie. You're starting to sound as crazy as me. Then I do need help, she smiled as they came to the hatchway door. Three feet thick and very tall. Now what? Huh, maybe we can burrow through. Pardon the suggestion, but you might try knocking, she said as she smiled and raised her brows. Or pounding, replied McGee as he raised both fists and pummeled the hatchway. But no one inside could hear him. We're up front next to the smoke glass doors, watching the repair work. Swell. They could all be dead, said McGee, holding his pulsing hands, like hitting concrete. Barrett was on the shipwide intercom. He could see them very clearly on the video, but kept his end of it closed down. Pete, I want you to get back up front. Would you just mind telling us why they can't go up front? We've been listening to you babble for hours. All I ask is you keep them occupied. Something must be wrong, said his aide. Nothing is wrong. Barrett out. Not too convincing, Pete, said Mesmer. I don't know how long you're going to be able to stall them. I know, I know, he said, shaking his head. Then he pushed the communications button. Get me Walter started. I hear you, Pete, said Winder over the speaker. Frank, where's Walter? I'm right here, Pete. Hanson started. Pete, I have a primary circuit in place, said Mesmer from underneath. Did you hear that, Walter? Mesmer has a primary circuit in place. Excellent. Great going, Don. That would leave about five hours, wouldn't it? He asked as Mesmer nodded. Yes, and we're approaching the scheduled docking time at the GE complex. People are wondering why they can't come back up front. It's only adding to our problems by not telling them what's going on. No, no, no. The press will crucify us. Shouted started. They'll find out anyways, Walter. <laughs> and they won't be blaming the agency, said Rothstein as he came forward with Folsom. You have a sabotage problem, not a functional problem, said Folsom. I didn't realize that you two were there. In any event, let's get a handle on this problem. Make sure everything's all right before we inform the passengers. A very good decision, said Rothstein. Very well, replied Barrett. I'm only stating facts. I can only stall them for so long. Then have Savard say something to them suggested started. Where is he? He was up on the uh, observation deck. He wanted to be alone, said the senator. He's the only smart one on board. The indefinite figure of Victor Savard was perched on the observation platform. He was in deep concentration as he scanned the heavens. His mind was baffled, his soul racked with doubt, and his body chilled with the realization that he may have been totally imprecise in his calculations. Join us again next week for another adventurous episode of the Ramdamas Kingdom, Who is He Who Commands the Masses?
Produced by Fitton Theater of the Words.